I'm Umbreen Khan, and you're listening to Inspired, a production of Interfaith Voices. If you're just joining, we are dipping into the archives this week. We've been sharing the stories of people of different faith traditions pursuing passion projects, working to take their messages worldwide. For one man, that means a career switch from tech entrepreneur to working on the silver screen. Steve Sarowitz says he has no formal filmmaking training, but he's now the executive producer of a new documentary called The Gate, Dawn of the Baha'i Faith. The way that God has chosen to educate humanity spiritually is by sending down these divine teachers from Zoroaster and Krishna and the Buddha, from Abraham and Moses to Jesus and Muhammad. The Baha'i Faith is a monotheistic tradition founded in Iran in the mid-19th century, relatively young compared with many world religions. Sarowitz says the faith's community is also relatively small, with only about 5 million members worldwide, with less than 200,000 in the United States. And because members are forbidden from proselytizing, Sarowitz says most people don't know anything about the faith. In fact, Sarowitz, who was raised in the Reformed Jewish tradition, only learned about it in his 20s. He tells our producer, Stephanie Lecce, that it took another nearly 30 years before he decided to join. Sarowitz says he was most attracted to the Baha'i belief that the faith is a continuation of the earliest monotheistic traditions. I love the concept of progressive revelation. I, I didn't like, I didn't understand. So I was Jewish and the Christians were wrong. Or maybe because there was a lot more Christians, maybe they were right and I was wrong. Or maybe the Muslims were right and the Christians were wrong. I just didn't get it. And when the Baha'is came and said, well, look, maybe everyone's right. There's only one God. He's progressively revealed the truth. The truth is essentially the same. And the differences have to do with time. And then the laws and the social laws change over time. That just made more sense to me. And eventually, after 20-some years, I got around to actually studying it. And when I studied it for a few years, I realized I was a Baha'i. And I declared as a Baha'i at the age of 49, three years ago. And then shortly thereafter, you got involved in making this film. Three days after I declared as a Baha'i, I emailed my friend a picture of me declaring as a Baha'i. And I said, I'm a Baha'i now. And I uh, told him that I wanted to retire from business and just uh, tell people about the Baha'i faith. He said, well, you could do that and reach hundreds of people potentially over the rest of your life, or you could make a movie and reach millions. Sarowitz says he wanted to grow the awareness of the Baha'i faith and share its message. And he thought the story of the Baha'i faith's founder, the Bob, would make for a good movie. So with a couple Hollywood connections and the resources to finance and produce the film, Sarowitz recruited Peabody award-winning director Bob Hercules to the project. Hercules says he didn't know much about the Baha'i faith or its origin story before getting on board. I realized I didn't really know much about the Baha'i faith. I had been to the temple a few times. I talked to some people, but I didn't really know much. So I was very intrigued. And the story was very powerful to me. This this is the origins of the faith. So it goes back to the 1840s in Persia. And uh, it was just an amazing story. And I was surprised that nobody had ever made this film before. It was just kind of astonishing. So uh, it's a rare thing as a filmmaker to you know find a subject that nobody's made these days because documentaries are so popular. So we started that, you know, we, it, it took us about two and a half years to, to make the film. 
Well, let me have you tell me an abridged version of the origin story, if you will. What was cinematic about it that lent itself well to a documentary? The story of the Bob, I call it the greatest story never told with the story of Jesus being the greatest story ever told. It's very, very similar. A young prophet comes to a very harsh environment. He has great adulation as thousands flock to him and great tribulation as the religious Orthodox leaders come down on him. And there's a trial scene very much, jail, and there's an execution very much like there was with Jesus. It was quite interesting that Jews, Christians, and Muslims all over the world in many different places were all waiting for a messenger the exact time the Bob came. In fact, the Bob comes in 1844, which is the same exact year that uh, was the Christian great disappointment in this country, 100,000 people following a man named William Miller. And so we cover that in the beginning part of the movie. The Jews also had an expectation around the same time, and there were other Christian movements all around the world at that same time. At the same time, there was a huge Muslim expectation, particularly in Persia. All of Persia is waiting for the 12th Imam at this time. So the time he came is really interesting. And the martyrdom of the Bab is tremendously dramatic in that he was shot 750 times in front of a crowd of thousands of people, and he very publicly disappeared when the smoke cleared. He was not only alive, but he wasn't there. The Bab survives. They find him after a frantic search in his cell, and he says, oh, I've finished my mission now, because he had told them before they took him to execute him that uh, he couldn't be killed until he was done with his mission. So he says, I'm done with my mission. You can kill me. So they take him. They tie him up again. They tie a niece. His 20-year-old father was going to be killed with him. And Sam Khan, the original executioner, pulls his entire regiment of 750 people. Uh, He was Armenian Christian. Uh, They get a second regiment in, a Muslim regiment, and that regiment shot and killed the Bob. So it's, it's it's a moment. It's a mystery how did he escape? How did he survive that? Why did he end up in his jail cell? You know, it's just, a, and there were thousands of witnesses. It's not that long ago. There were newspaper accounts and things like that. Sorowitz says from the faith's beginning, followers were persecuted and still are in many countries today. And they went on two years from then, in 1852, over 20,000 of his followers had been killed and only two leaders were left. The last surviving leader was Baha'u'llah, and he was thrown into a terrible prison called the Black Pit. He was there for four months. He had 100-pound chains on his shoulders. He was accused of a crime he didn't commit. They stole his great wealth, burned his hometown, and it was in the Black Pit that Baha'u'llah received his vision from a maiden that he was the promised one of all faiths. And so he ended up ministering for 40 years after this, all of it in exile and imprisonment. And his message is that, just like the Bob, it's a very, it's really one message from the two of them, that it's the oneness of humankind. He says, Baha'u'llah says, I've come with the most great peace. We need to get rid of racism, rid of sexism, rid of nationalism and religious prejudice. All of these divisions that we fought about for thousands of years, he says, this is not what Christ was teaching. This is not what Muhammad was teaching. We're supposed to love each other. And he says, we will learn to do that. And when we do, we will have the most great peace. The message of the Bab was very powerful at the time. The unity of religions, the idea that we're all alike, that we're all, there's no such thing as racism, and etc., that everybody is from the same God, and that there should be no strife because of that was very powerful and very controversial message at its time. And that's why, as Steve said, he was persecuted and his followers were severely persecuted. So uh, it, it's really, uh, it's a very dramatic, it's a very important story, I think. 
the people were extremely attracted to his message, and the religious leaders were extremely resistant to it. How did the Baha'i faith survive, given the great persecution, right from the beginning of its foundings? I think when people realize the transcendence of this message, they bring it to other people. And so it's almost like a game of whack-a-mole. You know, they, they would kill someone, kill another one, and then another person would rise up. But the truth is so attractive. A better question to me would be, if this is as compelling as you say it is, why haven't more people found out about it? And I would argue that the religion is tremendously persecuted in many countries today, particularly Iran. And when that persecution stops, and maybe even despite that persecution, the religion is still growing. When it stops, it will grow very quickly. You know, a movie can never do all things for all people. A movie is an introduction, really, to the teachings of the Bab, the origins of the Baha'i faith. We're hoping that the movie intrigues people so much that they, on their own, then start to investigate the faith. That seems to be the best use of film. Bob, for you, what was the challenge in presenting this story? The number one challenge was the main character in the film, the Bob, could not be shown at all. So we had to get very creative and figure out strategies filmically on how to tell the story of the Bob without showing him. When you watch the film, you'll see that our view of him is blocked by certain things, some material or furniture or a door or something like that, or things like that. So we, we have somebody maybe talking like Mullah Hussein talking to the Bob, but we can never show the Bob because in reverence to the Bob, similar to the Muslims don't show Muhammad, in reverence to the Bob we are not allowed to show him or character, characterize him or anything. No shadow, no, no nothing. So it was very, it's a very challenging assignment. One of our strategies in making the film also, since we couldn't show the main character, how to visualize a story that occurred pre, pretty much pre-photography or right at the cusp of photography, certainly pre-film. So we, part of the story is told through reenactment scenes that we shot in southern Spain, which is, uh, you know, has the Moorish uh, architecture and the Moorish looks. It looks like it could have been Iran in the 1840s, and I think it was very successful. It's beautiful footage, and it really helps tell the story in a visual way. We went down to Spain last May and June, and uh, we actually hired the same crew that shoots uh, Game of Thrones when they shoot in southern Spain, so it's the same. It was a crack crew, believe me. They were amazing. The other thing was, as a non-Baha'i, and as a skeptical person by nature and as a documentary filmmaker, I was very aware of, of not wanting to oversell the story or the message. And so I think I, it was probably a good chemistry we developed that I would be the referee sort of, you know, saying this feels like it's a little too, too much, um, you know, let's stick with the story. The story itself is very powerful. And it's a very rich story. And, and the story conveys the message of the Bob. And I think that's the, the right way to do it. That's basically what we stuck with, the story. And then the message comes out of the story. Story, not proselytizing. Exactly. Probably I'm the worst offender, but I'm so excited. I want to tell everyone how great it is. And Bob would sometimes have to say, you know, calm down, Steve. We're going to say it this way. And I purposely force myself to listen to Bob because I know I can be too enthusiastic at times. And so I, I thought it would be much more effective to be calmer about it and just put the story out there and let people decide for themselves what they think. Mm-hmm. 
we're not looking to force people to be Baha'is. We're looking to introduce them to the faith. And of those people we introduce to the faith, some of them may want to become Baha'is. But mostly, a lot of people have never even heard of the Baha'i faith. It's just not really spoken about. People don't even know what it is. I'd just be happy if when I say I'm a Baha'i, people don't give me a look like, what? (laughs) Why would you say the Baha'i faith is so relatively unfamiliar to so many people, particularly in the, in the United States? Well, the United States, if you do look at the statistics, which I do with like Pew Research, religion is dying in a sense. And so it's not that the Baha'i faith, you know, the Baha'i faith is a new faith. So most people who have a faith, they are that faith because they inherited it from their parents. I'm Christian because my parents were Christian and their parents were Christian, or I'm Jewish, or I'm Muslim. And they've never actually had to select a faith. The Baha'i faith has a lot of people like me who said, wow, I'm a Baha'i because I became a Baha'i. And in fact, if you talk to most Baha'is, almost all Baha'is in the United States that I talked to, not all, but many, many Baha'is, the majority of Baha'is have selected the faith and you would say converted, we would say chosen the faith. So given that, given that most people aren't even thinking about religion, that most people are running from religion, it's not surprising that a, that a new faith would not have as many adherents or as many people trying to go to it. Now, there are places like in Africa where the faith is growing like wildfire. And I would say, were the United States be, if the United States was a more spiritual place where people were looking for spirituality, looking for religion, I believe the faith would be growing very quickly here as well. That was executive producer Steve Sarowitz and director Bob Hercules speaking to our producer Stephanie Lecce about their new film, The Gate, Dawn of the Baha'i Faith. The film is currently available on iTunes. That's all for this week's show. If you missed any part, you can stream it online at interfaithradio.org. While you're there, you can also learn about us, read the show notes, sign up for our newsletter, and explore the archives. You can find our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or really the podcaster of your choice. Just search Interfaith Voices. And while you're there, help us out. Leave a rating and a review. It helps others find us. A special thanks to MC Yogi for our theme music, additional music by Blue Dot Sessions, and a special thanks to our founder, Maureen Fiedler. This week's episode was produced by Kevin McCarthy, Stephanie Lecce, and Melissa Fato. Inspired is a production of Interfaith Voices. We're a nonprofit and we rely on the generous support of our listeners to bring you this show. I'm your host and executive producer, Umbreen Khan. Remember to stay safe, stay well, and stay connected. I'll see you next week. <laughs>